right. Well, I think we'll start. Uh, I will open this up in prayer, and then we will begin. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we praise you, Lord, for who you are, Lord, and how um, you have worked in our lives, Lord. We thank you for all the blessings that you have given us. Lord, I pray, as we discuss tonight, the problem of evil, Lord, that we will uh, be faithful to your word, Lord, that we will allow your Holy Spirit, Lord, to guide and direct us as we look into your word. Lord, I uh, pray that this will just be a fruitful time, that we will fall more in love with you as a result, Lord. I pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. There's a note sheet right up here you could grab. So, um, you could see the title of this lesson is Objection, uh, the Problem of Evil. Uh, so, obviously, this semester we've been talking about apologetics and evangelism, how to share our faith as Christians um, and have a good, reasonable uh, defense for our faith, uh, having good reasons for the things we believe in. Right? We don't have blind faith. We have reasonable faith. And so those are the things we've been talking about and just uh, different ways how to share the gospel. And next week, we will talk about common objections that some may have uh, against the Christian worldview. And so we'll be talking more about that next week, some smaller common objections. But one, co- one objection someone might bring up for us as Christians is evil and the fact that evil exists um and so i want us to dive into that discussion how to talk about that well what is really the problem of evil uh when i first mentioned it uh when i first mentioned it to some people someone might think when i say the problem of evil they might say well yes evil is a problem um but that's not what we're talking about specifically uh evil is problematic and God sent his son to the world to redeem the world and save the world through him and to fix that problem. But we're talking about something a little bit different tonight. Um, So let's look at the beginning, the first question on your note sheet to start the discussion. What is evil? What is the problem we are talking about? So let's first identify what evil is, and then let's focus in a little bit more on what question are we actually asking when I say What is the problem of evil? So what are some of your initial thoughts, some of your initial responses to a question like this? What is evil? Russell Sprouts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. You could think gross types of foods. You think they're more evil when you're younger, and maybe you might think they're not as evil as you get older, or you might just always think they're evil. I don't know. What are some other thoughts? Whatever God tells us not to do. Okay. So whatever God tells us not to do. Right? So maybe you could say, um, in that sense, it's the same as sin. um, And it's everything that's opposed to God. Right? Okay. What are some other thoughts? What is evil? I think that's like a more simplistic view, something that's mean or bad or not nice. Okay. Yeah, that's true. 
something mean or bad or not nice, that's a good way to uh, just begin teaching your kids what evil is. It's the bad things we do. Um, there's this song in a, on a children's album um, that's called The Scariest Song. Um, and it's all about sin. <laughs> so it's just teaching the simplicity of the fact that it's it's a bad thing, right? It's a scary thing. Um, what are other thoughts? So if you were to think about um, just how the Bible talks about evil, you can maybe throw in the word wickedness or sin, corruption, those sort of things. How does the Bible talk about it? I mean, we will get to biblical references soon. Um, like, do damage either to you spiritually, physically, like, also they violate norms as well, like, anything that's, like, strictly out of the norm. Okay. So, out of the norm, uh, against the law of creation, in a sense, that way. Okay. So... Damage spiritually, physically. I like those categories. See, this is why I like a pen when I teach. I could write down thoughts as I go. Yes? It's of the devil. It's of the devil. Okay. So it originates from the devil, so we could identify where it comes from. Right? Uh, there's this definition that I got from gotquestions.org on the question, what is evil? Do you all know that website? gotquestions.org. It's just a nice place for just quick answers to different biblical questions. Um, Some questions, some answers might be better than others on some questions they may have. But I like the answer they provided for this specific question. And and you'll see why in a bit. But they wrote, evil is uh, usually thought of as what is, or that which is morally wrong, sinful, or wicked. So it talks about morality there. right? What is normally considered as morally wrong, sinful, or wicked. However, the word evil can also refer to anything that causes harm. Let's kind of get to your point there. Uh, with or without a moral dimension, though. So evil has could deal with morality, right? Going against what is morally right um, it is morally wrong sinful or wicked but also in the bible it could refer to anything that causes harm with or without a moral dimension and so that second part there i think is helpful especially for a passage we'll look at later tonight about um how it talks about how god and evil relate and you'll see that in a little bit um, but if I were to define it, I would maybe say something simple as turning away from God, um, to, like not looking to God, uh, looking to anything else um, as your primary focus. So simply turning away from, from God. So what is the problem we are talking about? Uh, like I said, we're not necessarily talking about the problem that evil is in and of itself. But when we're talking about apologetics and defending the faith, what are we talking about when I say the problem of evil? If God is so good, why do bad things exist? Yeah. Yeah. If God is so good, why do bad things exist? Why doesn't he stop it? If he, can, if, he, if he knows it's happening, he can't do anything about it, why isn't he doing something? 
Yeah, exactly. Um, you can see I have a quote here. You might have already read this. Uh, but I think this proposes the, the problem really well. And so I want us to look at this really quick. It says, um, is God willing to prevent evil but not able? Then he is uh, not omnipotent, referring to how he's not all-powerful, right? Uh, is he able but not willing? Then he is malevolent, evil. Is he both able and willing? Then whence cometh evil? Is he neither nor able nor or able nor willing? Then why call him God? So here we could see that uh, he's calling into question the goodness of God and ultimately the power of God to be able to stop evil. If God is all good, the argument should go, well, then he should want to um, take away evil. Uh, and if he is all-powerful, he should be able to. So just the very fact that evil exists causes this problem that some might, dem- or might bring to us as Christians as we're sharing our faith. Right, so either God is not all good, or He's not all powerful, and if is and if He is neither, then why call Him God? Ultimately, is what is being questioned here. Um, so I want us to look at some of these passages. Uh, first, we need to identify who God is. What does the Bible say about God in these categories? And if God is all powerful and all good, and I include also here, and all wise then why does evil exist? That's the problem we're after. Why does evil exist if he is all of these things and beyond so much more than that as well? All right. Uh, Can I get someone just to quickly read the first section? God is all-powerful and authoritative. Does someone want to read those passages for us? Psalm uh, 33, 9. For he spoke and it came to be, he commanded and it stood firm. Isaiah forty four twenty four, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord, who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by himself. And then Romans 1, 20, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. All right, so there are many different passages that I could put in this category to demonstrate how God is all-powerful, and because he is all-powerful, he is also all-authoritative. What he says goes, because he is creator, he is God, he is the one who has um, created all. And so you can see here in the Psalm 33 passage, it's talking about how he created, commanded, and formed, ultimately, creation. Right? Uh, Isaiah 44 also talks about how he is creator about, over all things, of all things, and he did it by himself, right? And then the Romans passage talks about his eternal power and divine nature and how those things have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. Because this is who God is. He's always been this way. And we could, like I said, add verse after verse after verse after verse after verse to demonstrate this fact. Um, so... Do we have to affirm that God is all-powerful and all-authoritative as well? Yes, we do. Uh, As Christians, we definitely need to do that. All right, well, let's look at the next category. Who wants to read these verses? God is all-good and loving. All right, thanks, Tom. Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good, 
His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Psalm 145, verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Alright, so we see God's goodness mentioned, his love mentioned, his righteousness mentioned, right? God is all good. He is the definition, the standard of what goodness is. Um, and so do we have to affirm that God is all good? Yes, and he is all-loving. We have to affirm those things as Christians. Um, and then just to throw this in as well, is he wise? Uh, we would have to say yes. Who wants to read this next? these next three verses for us? Thank you. Job twelve thirteen, With God are wisdom and might. He has counsel and understanding. Proverbs 2, 6 and 7. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth came knowledge and understanding. He stores us up wisdom for the upright, maybe? Yeah, maybe. James 1, verse 5. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. All right. So you see, um, God has wisdom, and he gives wisdom. All wisdom that man has ultimately comes from God himself. He is um, the source of all wisdom. And so the question then again becomes, or is, if God is all-powerful, if he is all-good and loving, if he is all-wise, why is there evil and corruption in this world? That's the question. Um, I want us to look at some unbiblical answers to the problem of evil. Uh, these are our different suggestions. Uh, obviously, as you can see, the first one says atheism, the belief that there is no God. Uh, evil just exists in a godless world. If there's no God, then, uh, well, I would say that they would have no standard to say that evil even exists. Mm-hmm. As, as I think about it, evil, the, the existence of evil is evidence of the truth of the Bible. I mean, the, if a bear eats a, a small a baby bear, it's not evil; it's just nature. If a, a lion eats a baby lion, it's just evil. But Adam and Eve ate of the knowledge of tree, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, putting into us that understanding of the moral code, moral right and wrong, which other creatures won't have. Definitely, one hundred percent. And we we talked a little bit about that earlier this semester in this room, right? The the moral argument, uh, the fact that morality exists, demonstrates that there ought to be, or there is a moral lawgiver, right? And so that's not uh, a sufficient answer to the problem of evil, atheism. Uh, Second one, God is not all-powerful and authoritative. Well, logically, um, maybe that could be an answer, but we know that can't be a biblical answer, right? Because we know Scripture does teach that God is all-authoritative and all-powerful. Um. So this simply suggests God is unable to interfere with the natural world to prevent evil. Um, obviously, we would not affirm that. Third one, God is not all good and loving. Uh, I mean, many different types of religions throughout history would probably look to this one, and uh, different religions who are more uh, polythe- polytheistic 
uh, who believe in many gods. Uh, these gods are just doing their own thing, and they're not necessarily concerned of being all good and all loving. And so um, that could be an answer. Obviously, it can't be a biblical Christian answer. Um, four, and this kind of goes with one, the non-existence of evil. It's more of a state of mind suggestion. It's subjective. It's not objective. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I think as we look to Scripture, we see that uh, evil is objective. It's not subjective. Uh, we see that in Scripture, but then also we just experience that in our lives. Right? We see real evil existing in this world. And then karma and reincarnation. This is one that is suggested as a potential answer, um, but I'm honestly not completely sure how it really helps with the problem of evil. Um, but these are different suggestions that have been uh, brought up. But we're not going to spend a whole lot of time there. Next page, you can see I have a lot of Bible verses on here. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So what I want us to do is I want us to actually break off in groups and do some group work. Um, you guys could work in twos. It looks like that might be easiest. Elizabeth and Nancy could be together, and then just the couples, besides you two, <laughs> you two could be together. Um, and I want you all just to look through these passages. You could use your Bible if you want more context. I tried to give some context by putting some extra words in brackets as I quoted the passage on your uh, note sheet. But I want you to just dive into just a sample set of verses to see what the Bible uh, says about evil. Um, so this is just helping us identify what is evil. right? So theological conclusions from the above passages. I just w- want you to simply make simple observations, theological observations of what the Bible says evil is. So for an example, they don't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be that difficult. I'll give you one. So look at the Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. One, you could write out, is every single person is a sinner. Um, So that would be one. I only put six lines here simply because that filled up the rest of the page. Um, I would have put more probably. Uh, So you could continue. You could see I did this practice myself, and I made it 10. So I continued myself. But I'll give you um, 10-ish minutes. if it seems like you guys finish before then, we don't necessarily need to use the entire time. Um, but I'll give you uh, until like 7.09, or let's say 7.08, um, because I like even numbers better. 7.08, and uh, we will resume and then talk about what you guys came up with.
having them read through these verses and then just making any observations um, on what are some theological conclusions from the above passages for the faculty just got sent. So for example, we're all asking falls short of the glory of God. You could write, we are all sinners. That's a conclusion you could make. So that's what is currently happening. It could be more than six, but yeah. Two minutes. Try to start finishing up. I want us to uh, start discussing what are some of the things you all came up with. All right, so are you guys ready? Sorry for cutting you off early. Um, I want us to have some time to discuss these things, and we have more to talk about afterwards. Um, and it was difficult for me to um, really narrow down what passages to put on here, because there's so many passages here also I could have put on here just for a sample of just some talking about evil or darkness or sin or wickedness, any of those things. So... What are some of the things you guys wrote down? What are some theological um, observations you guys made from these passages? Put down that God has commanded us or given us rules to not do evil, All right. um, like in the first one. All right. So we're explicitly told not to do evil. All right. Okay. And the world is full of evil. Everywhere. All right. So... Uh, Sin and evilness has really much um, taken hold of this world. It's gone all over the place. It's infected it all over. Okay. So everyone does evil things. I mean, by definition. 
from Genesis 2, 16, 17, is also he warned us about eating the fruit. So basically telling us, you do this, bad things, bad things will happen to you. Yeah. So he warns. He warns us. Right? Commands us not to do it. He warns us. Consequences. So evil has consequences when we do it. Evil has consequences. Yes, we see that in these verses as well, right? Uh, there's some very dramatic uh, consequences, and it talks about how um, big of a deal evil sin is, right? What are, what are some other observations you guys made? Uh, serpent or Satan brought evil into the world, kind of? Like, because the first thing, he's lying to Eve here, right? So that would be like the first evil act in Eden. Okay. Well, I mean, as far as I know. I guess yeah, so we see the origin of um, sin or evil coming from Satan, right? But then the evil, the problem of evil, really, you could ask, and we'll, and you could ask, well, how did, where did it come from with Satan? And we, we will get to that in a bit. But let's look more at these passages. Yes, I, th- I think before even that, just there is such a thing as evil. There is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, how can you have the knowledge of it if it isn't already there? So God actually already knows about this. That's very before good. Before we're introduced to it. That's very good. Yeah, so the word evil is already describing something before the fall even happens. Yes, that's a very good observation. God is sovereign over evil. Yes, he has complete control over over evil. Um, And with that, I, I see that in specifically two passages Right in the Mark passage, Mark one, he Christ commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Right, evil has to obey the word of the Lord. God has control over that. Uh, but then also you see this in the Psalm forty-five passage, um, and this is the passage. Maybe you guys might want to discuss a little bit more because this is a difficult passage, um, and just understanding exactly what this means, uh, uh, Psalm. 45, I form light and create darkness. Um, I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does these things. And, and so we have to say, simply just from what Scripture is saying, in some sense, uh, he forms light and creates darkness. And so we could talk about, well, what is this darkness? How does it relate to evil? Uh, but so he is sovereign in those, in those passages there over it. What are some other observations? We need to be rescued from evil. We need to be rescued from evil. Right? And uh, we see in the Second Corinthians passage how we're rescued from evil. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Ultimately, we see the darkness as ref- referring to the wickedness and sin and evil that has infiltrated the whole world, right? And when light, the light of Christ shines upon it, it exposes the evil and uh, drowns it out. It says, uh, let the light shine out of darkness um, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. This is one of the passages we looked at at the youth retreat we went on just this past weekend, um, looking at how the full glory, the full glory of God is seen expressed in the face of Christ and that is um, what we look to right 
That's what transforms us, takes us out of darkness into light. Anything else? I mean, there's probably a whole lot. What are some other ones that you guys definitely want to make sure you say? Yeah. Um, that the truth is not evil, or kind of flip it, that evil doesn't like the truth. Exactly. We see that in the John 8 passage, right? Uh, and nothing to do with the truth. Referring to um, the father of the devil. Referring to the father of the scribes and Pharisees, specifically to the individuals he was talking about there. Uh, so there's a whole lot. And we don't have time to really dive into all of the truth that's mentioned in these passages. I mean, this is just a small handful of passages, but we could spend so much time just really dissecting these and seeing uh, what evil is, identifying different things about it. Uh, And so one of the reasons why I wanted us to do this exercise is simply to know what evil is, right? We started with the question, what is evil? Uh, We need to know what evil is and how it's worked out in scripture so we could so that could help us answer the question why does evil exist if god is an all-powerful good and wise god why does evil exist um and if you guys remember then the definition that i had mentioned from gotquestions.org uh I'll read it again, and I think it's helpful specifically in making sense of the Isaiah 45 passage. It says, Evil is usually thought of as that which is morally wrong, sinful, or wicked. God cannot be morally sinful, wrong, or wicked because that's against who he is. He is a holy God. Uh, God cannot turn his face away from himself, right? Um, Looking as in not being holy, Um, However, the definition continues, the word evil can also refer to anything that causes harm with or without a moral dimension. Uh, What happens, is it harmful for the Israelites physically when he judges them? It is. It causes them their lives. You see so much destruction and pain in the Old Testament. You see the earth opening up, swallowing up a big chunk of the Israelites, right? You see a lot of just um, wars happening. God giving them over to uh, these pagan nations as judgment for their ungodliness, right? God is not uh, committing moral failure by any means. He is the standard of goodness. But he is a just God as well. And in the judgment... We may call it evil because it's causing harm on someone physically, uh, but ultimately it's a demonstration of God's ultimate justice as well. So there's some of these dimensions, and I think that's one of the best ways to make sense of what Isaiah 45 is is talking about here. Uh, And also, this is just for uh, quick information. Um, I spent a whole lot of time really just looking at Isaiah 45 a couple years ago now, maybe just a year ago. I don't don't remember how long ago it was. Um, Just 
looking at the Hebrew words and understanding exactly what was being mentioned, and it says, I form light and create darkness. And so I was looking up the word create. Well, what exactly is the Hebrew word mentioned here? And it's the Hebrew word bara, which is the same Hebrew word um, that's used in the Genesis account when God creates this world. Um, So I'm like, all right, it seems like he's creating something. And then it says darkness. Darkness here, the Hebrew word is ra, which is the Hebrew word for, that could also be understood as as evil. Um, So I don't think it's helpful for us to say that God creates evil in the sense of all wickedness, right? But I think it's helpful to say that God creates what we understand as calamity, destruction upon um, sinful, wicked people. I mean, ultimately, that's what hell is. It's not good for someone to be in hell, but it is just for them to be there if they've denied God, ultimately. All right. Any conversations or questions that you guys want to have with these verses before we move on? Was that helpful? All right. Proposed answers to why evil exists. So why does evil exist? We looked at a lot of passages. There's two proposed answers I want us to look at. Um, These are quotes. I did not write out these proposed answers. I got them from other people. You could see um, I have referenced them at the end of each paragraph. So number the answer number one. Does someone want to read this first paragraph for a proposed answer of why evil exists? I would say these are potential biblical answers. Uh, they're different answers. Um, but I think you could be a faithful Christian um, affirming each one. We looked at the unbiblical answers earlier. So I, I just want to preface it with that. I think both of these um, could be good Good answers. I lean more towards one compared to the other, um, but I think both could be perfectly fine to an extent. So, does someone want to read answer number one for us? Thank you. Free moral agents. If God made them otherwise, they would have been mere machines with no will of their own. To be a free moral agent implies that one has the power of choice. As long as Satan chose the will of God, there was no evil in the universe. But the moment he chose to follow his own will, then he fell. And by persuading others to follow him, he introduced evil into the universe. All right, so we really have to get at um, really why... Satan fell. If God created a perfect world, and he did, right, in the very beginning, after God created each thing, he says it was good, and it was good, and it was good. God made things good. A good God, a good, all-powerful God made things good. So where is the room for error? That's the ultimate question. How could something that is made good from a good God, there's no room for error in that somehow have evil come from it. Satan. He did. 
Yes. Yeah, so he did. And so the question is, how could he even originally even have that thought? If he was created good, uh, a holy, beautiful angel, um, how could he have a corrupted, evil, sinful thought? Where would there be room for that to come is, is the question. And so here you can see this is a proposed answer. Ultimately, free will. God chose um, his creatures, including angels, and then us as humans, to be able to be morally free, so there we're not simply machines, and so so you can love them voluntarily. So the question is, I have here: Does this answer the question of why evil exists? Why or why not? Yes. Why or why not? I think this could be definitely a good answer because it describes why so the, the why Satan had the ability to choose and why it was introduced into the world and why we have the ability to choose. Right? So it, it puts evil as a personal choice that a choice that's made um, and it's one that's against God. Right? So but it puts it make it builds the framework of why it's there and why um, people have the ability to do it even though God is perfect and loving and yeah. Okay. What are some other thoughts? I think this could be a fine answer. I think something that is missing um, is found in the second answer of... Um, If you say just the way it is now, it, it makes it sound like redemption is plan B. Where God created the world, hoping, in a sense, that people would obey him. Yeah. Not eat from the tree, right? So that could have been reality if people never ate from the tree, if Adam and Eve never ate from the tree, if Satan never fell, potentially we could have a perfect world. Um, Omnipotent. If, you, if that was a surprise to him that he didn't know, which doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. So I think so, it's a combination. Well, we'll get to number two. I think it's a combination. The two merge together. Yeah. Yeah, so let's read number two then. Who wants to read number two? We know it, the fall of Satan was a gracious purpose because God's plan before the creation of the world was to show the grace to unworthy sinners. Sin came into being as part of a plan to show grace to sinners. God saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the age began, 2 Timothy 1.9. The plan before the creation was that Christ would be the Lamb slain for sinners, Sinners whose names were written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of Lamb who, were, who was slain. Revelation 13.8. Christ slain for sinners was the plan before any human sinned. John Piper, how did evil begin? Yeah, exactly. So, one proposed answer is simply, um, it wasn't necessarily meant to be this way, uh, but this happened because of moral free will, and um, now God has prepared a way through the redemption uh, through redemption that's found in Jesus Christ alone. Uh, 
answer proposed for number two is really highlighting on the fact that before the creation of the world, God had a purpose. And his purpose was that Christ will be the slain savior of the world before evil even became a thing. Before Satan fell, before he even created the angels, this was a plan that God had had before the foundations of the world. Um, and so he, the second one is showing that in order to show God's grace through his son, redemption occurs. How do we see the graciousness of God? How do we see the mercy of God? How do we see the justice of God? We see it through him conquering death on the cross. If, in the supposed world, hypothetical world, that sin never happened, evil never happened, would we see um, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the justice of God? We for sure wouldn't see the justice of God. Yeah. So there would be things that wouldn't be on display showing us the gloriousness of God. And so that's the answer proposed here. And as I said, both of these answers could be um, are, are fine, um, are good, Christian answers. I think it could be biblical for either one. So does this answer the question of why evil exists, why or why not? What do you guys think? Well, if he gave us free will, then that indicates that we eventually are going to want to do our own way. Uh-huh. And that's where we get into evil. Well, and he knew it was going to happen. I think it's like I think it's a combination of both. Is really I can't give so yes it does, but and to use like a Clinton phrase, to me just define why. Right? If the actual proximate cause is what you're looking at, the number one does it. But when you talk about God's knowledge of it happening and it being a part of a plan and not being an accident, not making a mistake, you have to have number two in order to account for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is why it's just good for us to think through and, and try to have a good reason uh, for ourselves. And um, you can see the second, the next part is, does the Bible tell us how evil exists? So, uh the first question we were answering is why evil exists. Um, I think we could answer the reason or the question why evil exists because God has ultimately a purpose for it even though evil doesn't come from the Lord. Uh, he's not tempted by it or he doesn't tempt anyone uh, to sin. Scripture explicitly tells us that in James and we saw that passage. But he does use it for his purposes and for his glory in order to demonstrate his justice, in order to demonstrate his mercy and his grace. So I think we could see that's the reason why. Um, and then the how, uh, some might put in, well, how is the free will? Satan had the free will, and that's how it came into this world. Um, that's, that's a fine answer. And ultimately, the other answer that could be suggested is simply there is no answer. It's mysterious. When you look at Scripture... What does Scripture tell us about the how evil exists? I would suggest Scripture doesn't tell us how. In the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in the very beginning, when you, after creation, you see evil already existing. It doesn't t- 
tell us how it started. Scripture tells us why it's there and that God conquers it on the cross, right, to show his great power over it. Um, But I would suggest it's probably, it's all right to point to the fact of free will. That's a philosophy in order to answer this question. Uh, But I think another faithful answer is simply just to say, we don't know the how, because scripture doesn't give that uh, to us. So I think that's what I would say um, for this question. Apologetics answer, though. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I don't know. Followed closely by number two is number two reason is I'm going to light your house on fire so I can come and you can know that I'm a hero because I just put out the fire in your house. That's what the rationale is for. It's a little bit different. Allow your house to start off fire. Yeah, I would say that. (laughs) That's that would be more uh, consistent with if you want to use that analogy. Uh, God isn't the one starting the evil, right? Evil happens, and he allows it to happen in order to show his greatness to overcome it. So, yeah. So that's that's why this is a, a good discussion and um, uh, a good thing for us to think through because this is a, a common objection people will bring to us as Christians. Right, um, and to some extent, we see that God uses evil purposes of men in order to bring out His glory. Uh, it was evil for the Romans and evil for the Jewish leaders to crucify Christ on the cross. But if they hadn't, we wouldn't have a crucified Savior. We wouldn't have a resurrected Savior. And so you could see how God uses evil intentions, allows them to happen. Judas is a great example of that. There's no, they would have gotten turned over, and there would be no cross. Yes. So I want to end with this. We're out of time. Um, we need to thank God that he doesn't just completely wipe out evil um, in the sense that because he is all-powerful and all-good, because if he does, he would just wipe out all of humanity. All right? so what does scripture tell us about ourselves? We are the evil ones. Uh, evil comes from within our own hearts, and we are all corrupted by it. We all do evil. And so if God were to simply take out all evil because he is an all-good and all-powerful God, none of us would exist. So we have to be thankful then for Uh, the beautiful message of the gospel and how he redeems us and changes what is evil into something beautiful. Um, And he gives us time for that. So, all right. Well, let me close this out in prayer and then we will be dismissed. If you have any questions, if you want to continue the conversation, I could do that for the next five minutes or so as right after I close out in prayer. If you have to go, you could go after prayer. All right, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your greatness, Lord. We thank you for your justice, your power, um, your mercy, and your grace, Lord, uh, ultimately because it um, shows us your beauty, Lord. It shows us who you are and how worthy you are of our praise. Lord, I pray that we just continue to look to you, Lord, and um, 
allow the knowledge that you give us uh, through your word about who you are, um, allow that knowledge to grow, uh, help grow our love for you, Lord. I pray that we will love you for who you are, Lord, and not just what we think you should be like. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you.